Hello and welcome to Seducing Aliveness with Jen Halterman and Tamara Yonker. I'm Jen. This is Tamara. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it's a happy Friday show of a five-day mm-hmm. week. And so we're on show number 10, Aliveness Cannot Resist Vulnerable Allowance. And I feel the energy of seduction coming up. <laughs> vulnerable allowance um we were just chatting uh before the show started and i was saying how i'm i'm i've been a little bit um uh, amused i that's the word i've been a little bit amused as you know we've been doing 10 days of the show now and, and i'll i'll find myself like going into some kind of accent or you know saying stuff and and there's this little part of me that's that's observing that and going, who's doing that? Who is that? Like, who's <laughs> and I and I'm really realizing how completely I am in what I call the involuntary as I'm doing this show. Like, there's no filtering, there's no editing, there's no worrying about what anybody's going to say or think, <clears throat> and that is uh, vulnerable allowance. <laughs> like, like yeah. when you can just. Be you with that much presence that you're in the moment. You're, you're like literally. I'm just, I'm just here talking to Jen in the moment. People are listening. People are not listening. It's really not relevant. Like we're just, we're just bringing something to life that wouldn't be in the world if we didn't, if we weren't willing to say yes to it. And and, you know. I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, I I do, but and at the same time, it's not, it's not calculated. It's not planned. It's not like I haven't got an outline here, and I'm I've got points that I want to make sure I come across, you know, get across. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm just create. This is art. This is in the moment art. This is artistry. The the vulnerable allowance where I'm not judging myself. I'm not. I'm just being. I'm just showing up in the involuntary, and whatever comes out of my mouth. So be it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so seducing. It truly is. As I, as I told you, like, I love that you're so surprised by why is this showing up? Because when people go to that playful place of accents and characters and persona and, and that dynamic of, of not trying to make it sound perfect or, or whatever, I am seduced. I am drawn in by that that vulnerability, that surrender of this doesn't make sense and I'm doing it anyway. That draws me in. So when you say, I don't even know what this is, but I'm just letting it happen and I'm saying thank you very much because to me that's an invitation to play. And you don't know that before I told you. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it does invite aliveness. And that is, man, I know that we've been talking about intimacy with ourselves and aliveness with ourselves, but, but it really does attract aliveness from other areas. Like when, if you've ever been out in an experience where you're chasing fireflies, I don't, it's just the visual that comes to my mind, but people go to a yard, they see fireflies and what do they do? They chase them and try to capture them usually in a jar so that they can then control or have a container for the pleasure they are getting from the fireflies. And it always just entertains me to no end because I am the one sitting going, I'm just going to sit here and appreciate you. And then people are surprised when the fireflies are somehow all around me. And they're saying, how did you get all these fireflies around you? I'm like, well, I seduced them. (laughs) I didn't chase them. I seduced them. And granted, I'm sure like humans, there are fireflies that like to be chased, and there are those that like to be seduced. I get that. But when we're talking about aliveness and the power we have to seduce aliveness, seduce more place, seduce the, that, um, oh, the vibration and the engagement through vulnerability, it, I can't say no to that. I, I can't resist it, let alone aliveness resisting it. Yeah, it's like a <clears throat> we had talked about this before, I think before we ever even started recording shows that there's this um dance, right? As I say aliveness is seducing me, and as I say yes to that, then I'm seducing more aliveness 
to 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 fill me to live through me and and seducing and, and aliveness is seducing me and I'm seducing it and aliveness is and it's just this 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 uh, energy that becomes um, uh, keep feeding it just keeps it keeps fe- fe- I'm I'm fed by aliveness and life is fed by my aliveness and life's given and life gifts me more aliveness and I'm I'm fed by aliveness and and I'm feeding of the aliveness of uh, of the 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 whole and then I'm gifted more okay. it just it keeps going on and on and on and on and on and it becomes this thing this um, circle cycle that uh-huh. it's undeniable and it only stops if I stop it. It only stops if I stop it. And and I'm <clears throat> it's so funny you gave this example of fireflies because when I was a little kid, went to Disneyland a lot and I lived in LA <clears throat> and so yeah. at the Pirates of the Caribbean they would have uh the fireflies, like, you know, fake fireflies. But I was like, Oh ooh. I remember thinking I was a little kid that fireflies are one of the coolest things ever and I'd never seen them in, in you know, real life. And I went and facilitated classes up in Canada, in eastern Canada, out in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> and uh, and I was staying out there for a full week. And they, summertime, they told me that they had fireflies. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, I couldn't have been more excited than 100 kids at, uh, on Christmas Eve. Like, I, I was like, are you serious? You, you guys have fireflies? So you should have seen me. Because they come out in the, in the, you know, like it's dusk. So I'm I'm sitting there with my face plastered against the window, waiting to see the fireflies. And I just sat there and waited and waited and waited and waited. And I was like, okay, okay, when am I going to see my first one? And when I saw my first one, I was elated. I was like, I mean, they must have been laughing at me. But that's it. That's the natural enthusiasm and play and aliveness that we we call childlike. We often refer to kids, and we're like, oh, yeah, you know, kids are like that, but adults are not. What, when right. did we say, like, when, it's, just, it's like we turn it off or turn it down. In order to be an adult, you've got you've to turn down that aliveness. You've got to, you know, there's, there's a, an appropriate place for that. Like, we can't, we can't let that out only in certain times and places or whatever. Rather than being that all day, every day, every moment, in that curiosity, in that play, I'm thinking about this. Um, oh, the the thought just just was fleeting, and I think I lost it. Um, yeah, it's gone. It'll come back. <laughs> oh, I it, there it is. Uh. Came back. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about a class that I was taking once upon a time, and um, we were being invited into this space of involuntary. The person who was facilitating it, and and I I had an inkling of what that was. Um, and there was a person up at the microphone, and it was like, okay, so, so just it was just this space of being where you're not editing, you're not altering, you're not like filtering. So much of the time, we're constantly thinking about how we be and what we say and how we say it and who might be offended and is this appropriate and. So the woman at the microphone, she was being facilitated to to step into this space of this involuntary that I'm talking about, where you just you just you just let it rip, you just let it fly. Like who you are is fully expressed, like kids, little kids. You know, we think it's so cute when they're like, "Mommy, that woman's face is so weird," you know, and they just walk up to people <laughs> and they're like, "Why are you wearing that?" Like they have no filters, right? They just they just let right. it fly. So so anyway, the, the, the facilitator is inviting this woman at the microphone to be in this space to really tap in and, and discover what that is for her. And every time she opened her mouth to speak, nothing would come out. And so he'd facilitate oh, wow. her a little more, and then she'd, go, she'd say, okay, 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 I'm going to do it now. And then she'd open her mouth to speak, and nothing would come out. And this went on, you know, several times, six or eight times, where she'd be facilitated wow. and she'd go to speak, and nothing would come out. Nothing could get past, like her filters were so embedded um, that she couldn't speak without, like truly from that space of I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it go. And I, and I sat there in that moment and I was like, wow, that is how most people on the planet function. We, somehow we, we, that aliveness that is present as children is not acceptable as we become adults and we have to, there's behavior that we have to adhere to in order to be acceptable. Huh. Wow. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. You know, I I have this friend. Um, I don't know. I worked with him a bit. Jack Barnard. He is a brilliant speech and and play coach out of LA and he hmm. like I worked with him with improv and all these things and I can remember I've always been a gibberish talker do, do, you, hmm. do you do gibberish no no do you know no. what that is oh. okay I do because so you showed me I've always had <laughs> I've always had this and in fact my sister and I could speak gibberish to each other and and gibberish is sounds that are not words you're just expressing expressing the the what it is you're saying through nonsensical combinations of sounds, and we would speak with each other and know exactly what we meant. And so when I went to this training or this play shop, he didn't do workshops; he did play shops. And we got into this, and, and by the time we got to the end, when all of our audience came, because at the end of this three day weekend there was a performance, and when our audience members came, which was our friends and families, we were not to speak in words. We were only to show up and greet them and welcome them in gibberish. <laughs> and so here we have a, you know, probably 75 to 100 people showing up, and there are probably 40 participants walking up and saying, and, and our family and friends are looking at us like they have lost their fucking mind. <laughs> I can remember my kids being there and they were, they're teenagers and everybody's doing this. And my daughter looks at me and says, Jennifer, did you put everybody up to this? Because we were, they were used to it with me. And she's like, did you put everyone up to this? And, and the whole audience is just paralyzed, witnessing the nonsense that they were greeted with. Like, that was their welcome to the show, is a, a whole crowd of us not using words. And so recently I, I did this um, Adventures in Visibility group, and one of the things was when people get visible or they become aware that somebody might see them is a lot of times they freeze up. And so the invitation was to start practicing gibberish. And I'm telling you, it is one of my favorite things. Just, in fact, just last night, Sherry and I were going to dinner and we had my sister, one of my sisters on Marco Polo and the three of us were doing gibberish and we knew exactly what was, what the conversation was and nobody clarified. It was just, yeah, uh-huh, okay, and we responded and went on, which just is that involuntary, it, it doesn't have to make sense. When you mm-hmm. allow the involuntary to come through, the energy delivers the message. It is not yep. the words. Yeah. That is and so that's, true. That's the invitation, yeah. That's what I yeah. And, and doing and gibberish with that. different accents. I'm saying, Tamara, you got to try gibberish <laughs> in different accents. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet that's hilarious. <laughs> and I've said that so many times to people that I'm working with, facilitating or coaching around, um, you know, they're, they're so they, – they're prepared, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do a talk or I'm going to facilitate a class or whatever. And there's this, there's this enormous emphasis on preparation and what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. And I and I go, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dismiss any of that, right? Like if that's important to you, then then surely do whatever you feel you need to do to feel prepared. If that you know helps your confidence and all that, I said. But here's the thing, the energy that you're being is really what's going to transmit. So, it, especially when I was facilitating my intimacy classes, you know, and and people would talk about things. That I, I would I would talk a lot about saying the hard thing. Like there's so many things that we we left unsaid because we feel like we can't, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings or I can't say that because, because, because. And I'm like, here's the thing. Everything you leave unsaid starts to create debris in the space between you. And you don't want debris in the space. I mean, people, I I would say, do you know what I'm talking about when I say, have you you sensed when you are, uh, you know, it could be any kind of relationship, and you can recognize that there's this debris in the space between you. Doesn't I, for me, it doesn't feel good at all. I don't like it. I'm like, let's get the debris out of the way. No. 
Um, yeah. So, so we would talk about that. I said, you know, everything you leave unsaid just ends up as debris in the space between you. So, what if you could say the thing, and and it's the energy you be when you say it that has everything to do with the cre- creating a favorable response. I mean, you, you here's the thing: you absolutely cannot control how anyone's going to respond. But the delivery is everything, and the energy that you be when you say the hard thing that's difficult for you to say, that is vulnerable for you to say, um, <clears throat> the transmit the, the energy you be is is what's going to get transmitted more than the words, and that's true for right. anything. Whether you're standing in front of 500 people, whether you're, I mean, anywhere you're, anytime you're speaking, what people recognize most is the energy. It's the energy you're transmitting. And it's so funny because you, you can ask people afterward. You know, if somebody felt a, or had a, they were really moved, right? Somebody spoke and they were really yeah. moved. They, and, they, and they say, what was that about that? And, and they can't – here's the thing. You can't – that's not a cognitive thing. That's not a, it's not a mind thing. When, when, when energy is transmitting from one being to another, that's something that can't really, like, we'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll pop up into our heads and we'll go into our prefrontal cortex and we'll try and explain, oh, well, it was because blah, 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 blah. And we'll come up with these, you know, what sounds really reasonable to support, you know. But, but the thing is, that's really not what it is. There is an energy that you can be that transmits to another person that is not about the words, and it's not about the reasons and the justification. It's not any anything like that, and that's in that space of the involuntary. When when I speak, and it, it, this is this is kind of funny. When I was a little kid, we had to take. Um, uh, I went to private schools, <clears throat> and we had to take speech classes, and I hated speech class, like hated, 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 hated. Back at that time, I was all about hiding. I was not about getting in front of people. I was not about speaking in front of people. I was not about revealing myself to anybody. I was all about hiding. So the idea that I had to get up in front of a class and speak mm-hmm. was terrifying. I would, I would feign sickness. I would do anything. I would make up excuses. My dog ate my homework, like whatever, until finally the day came where the teacher was like, well, you're the last one. Like, you've got to do this. And I would just be like, oh. I mean, I would stand up there, and I would be so filled with something, I'm not even going to name it, that my lips would literally quiver to such a degree that it was difficult for me to even speak words legibly, like what the people could understand. That's how much I wanted to hide. And that care, you know, anytime there was any sort of uh, requirement in any class, much less speech class, I would just be like, oh, I, I can't do it. because I would, tr- I would try and find any possible reason to get out of it. And I remember when I went to, when I was in college, uh, I took another, uh, some class, and it was required that we do that. And, and, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. But now, I mean, I'm uh, much older and we had a partner, like we got partnered up and we had to present, you know, do some research or whatever present. And I just was like, and, and what's funny about it is, is I, I remembered my younger, earlier experiences. And I was like, yeah, it was, it was from a place of resignation, though, because it was like, well, that's probably what's going to happen again. And, you know, I got to do it. So I might as well just do it, get up there. And so I fall flat on my face and fail in front of everybody. Oh, well. It was kind of like that space of resignation that I got up and did it. And funnily enough, <laughs> because I wasn't so worried about, you know, what everybody thought, I was just like, oh, I'm going to fail. Like I kind of was like pre, predetermined that I was just going to screw it up and fail and look like a fool and whatever. I got up there and I was like, and I, it didn't happen. And I was like, huh, that's weird. It was almost like because I didn't care. I mean, in the sense that I yeah. didn't make it like incredibly significant that I was that this was what was going to happen. I was just like, well, I'm going to get up there and do it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's kind of like because I took all that significance out of it that there was a space of mm-hmm. me being relaxed. That I was like, whoa, I didn't know that that could be possible. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. <laughs> I surprised myself. I totally surprised myself. And then I was like. Huh. And so <clears throat> I I I took that 
and and I, I use that going forward. I mean, then there was a there was my first job right out of high school where I was required to do speak in front of groups and do keynote, and I and I would just like same kind of thing. I was like, oh well, just gonna get there. It's gonna go however it's gonna go. Oh well, whatever. And it worked like a charm every single time. As soon as I started taking all the significance out of it, like what are people going to think, and am I going to do a good job, and oh my god, and blah 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 blah, all this stuff in my head, and just went, I'm going to get up there and do it. That was my first taste and inkling of what it was to be in the involuntary again. To just take all the significance out of it and just be like, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and that's. That's just going to be what it is. That right yeah. there is just going to be what it is. I gave myself full, you know, we're talking about vulnerable allowance. I gave myself full permission to just be like, here I am. Love me, hate me, think I suck, think I'm great. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm still here and me. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. And that has carried with me. I mean, in, in you know, as I started uh, moving through my career in business, management positions, leadership roles, uh, facilitating, all of this stuff, I realized a long time ago that I just got to show up, you know, because I can't control what people think about me. I absolutely cannot control what people think about me. And to, think, and to attempt to control what they think about me is insane and futile, like, like, I can't. I could speak in front of a room of 100 people, and everyone's going to have their own opinion of who, you know, whatever I just presented or how I'm being or how I'm dressing or how I look and, you know, how I speak and all of that stuff. I cannot control what people think about me. So guess what? I might as well live in the involuntary because it's way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And when it's like when we break our give a damn it's like an accidental surrender. And, yeah, you know, right? like, I'm going to stop caring. I'm going to break my give a damn. I'm, I'm going to just whatever. I'm going to, if I screw up, I screw up. And it's like an accidental surrender into that vulnerable allowance. And, boy, and I'm telling you, once you get there and you feel that the, the receiving that's available for you to show up, in your vulnerability and be received that way. I don't know that I just know that for me, I could never convince myself to go back to the old way of trying to control perceptions. Yeah, exactly. I I couldn't, I can't have, there's no, there's not enough effort in my world now to be like, Oh, I have to go and be all concerned about controlling people's perceptions of me. I, I just—it's not in me anymore. Just not there. I can't do it. No. Can't muster it up. Mm-mm. Yeah, nope. no, definitely broke my <laughs> give a damn on that one. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't got it. That no, good, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna just have to sit there and judge me. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, it's all right. Mhm. Wow. You know, I want to come back to that piece about the energy goes so much it it the energy of the why that's underneath whatever you're saying whatever it is has so much more to reveal than the scripted words it is so profound when we allow the energy to speak in fact one of the things that i uh, I would say that the people in my life are, are familiar with is there are times, have you ever had those conversations with somebody when they are rolling in the shit, man, they're, they are rubbing against the rocks to get that dead skin off and they are like hurting and you know, it's for their good and they know it's for their good, but they are in hell and they hate it and yet they love it and they know it'll be worth it, but they're just in that place of like, ah! <laughs> and you come into space with them. You're like, hi, Hi. Yep, it sucks right now, doesn't it? And I can remember going, having this realization that at that point, there is no facilitation required. Like, shut up. There's nothing to coach. And yet I was witnessing so many people like running in to save and here's the tool I use. This will fix it faster. Blah, blah, blah. Let's process this. Let's go through all this shit. Like, let's, it's just stupid to me now. (laughs) Like, it's like, putting salt in the wounds. And so what I do is when somebody is in that space, what I, I've just really come is I don't have any words for you, but you know what? 
I'm just going to be here. And that can look like on Marco Polo, just a video of me sitting in the swing, turning the camera towards the trees with the wind blowing. That can look like sitting across from them while they cry and not trying to fix them. That can look like just a, a no words needed, just a video or an image of me with, you know, as if I'm sending them a kiss or my hand on my heart. And that right there is something that I, I really love when I am around people who practice that. Like, that's something with you that when we were going through the lovely birth canal of birthing the show, and we would get on the phone with each other and it'd be like, <laughs> you know, these contractions are bitches. You know, <laughs> what's happening? And <laughs> neither of us stepped into fixing or trying to make it right. We just... Uh, yep, yep, it sucks, and you're not alone unless you want to be. But otherwise, I'm just going to be here with you. And to me, that vulnerable allowance of allowing somebody to go through their process is is being the presence of aliveness. It's not being the presence of superior bitch. It's not being the presence of I have all the answers. It's not being the presence of you're screwed up and you're making it hard. It is just being a witness to that vulnerability is a sacred moment and we can all choose it. But we have to realize that there is nothing required of us. Yeah. So to actually be the space, just be the space of complete aliveness, we too must choose to surrender into that vulnerable space. We did. We too. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, we talked about allowance being as the space of non-judgment. And that's the thing about vulnerability. If I'm judging, am I being vulnerable? If I'm judging myself, am I being vulnerable? I would say no. Right. You know, it's like it's like I'm I'm really this. I love what you're saying about just being with somebody rather than you know. Um, there's nothing there's nothing to coach in that moment, and and yeah. I remember a few years back when I really had the giant light bulb aha moment that was one of the. I've had so many of these game. I call them game changers. I was like that in that moment. I had a realization of something that every my life was totally different afterwards and one yeah. of those mo- yep. light bulb moments was there's nothing to fix there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong ever there's nothing wrong with anybody there's nothing to fix nobody needs fixing it took a whole my coaching to a completely different quality when I was when I got that I mean my, my relationship with myself changed I was like wait there's nothing to fix here there's nothing wrong here there's never been anything wrong here there's nothing to fix and then when I realized that in my, into my intimate space with myself, I was like, oh, and then that, that also permeated into my uh, coaching and facilitation. There's nothing to fix. There's lies, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you can believe yep. or not believe. Um, judgment is one of the biggest lies in existence, I would say. Yep. So, you, you, but there's really nothing to do until that person is ready to give up, stop, <laughs> let go, stop, right? Stop mm-hmm. the delusion. Stop, like, stop lying to themselves. And 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 there's really nothing I can do to change that. I can right. be a space with them of total non-judgment, vulnerable allowance, and that in itself is an invitation for them to choose it too. But my words will, I mean, I can ask questions, right? I can, I can, I love asking questions that invite people to see where they're lying to themselves. That's just fun for me. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love it too. Powerful, <laughs> right? But the most powerful, potent thing that I can offer them is being that, because I know judgment's a lie. I know it. Like, I know that 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 I know. There's nobody who could try and convince me that otherwise. I know. I know. So when I be yep. that space, that powerful, potent space of non-judgment, vulnerably with another person, that is the greatest g- 
gift that I could offer them for them to choose that for themselves. Because I could sit here and try and convince them by trying to fix them. But here's the thing. If I'm trying to fix them, have I not already aligned and agreed that their point of view is true? And then I'm just trying to fight against something that's a lie. And that's ridiculous. Not doing it. I have to collude with their story about all the bullshit that's wrong with them that needs to be fixed in order to try and convince them that, you know, it's not true. Instead of just being a powerful presence, it's like, I already know this isn't true. And until you want to choose to let go of that, to stop, going to it's just going to it's going to linger in your in your world and your reality and you'll continue to gather evidence for it. But the most powerful thing I can offer is is my presence, is my vulnerable allowance of of who I am, of who they are, of life. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. Because a space of non-judgment, that space of allowance, that is the most seductive power there is. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I mean, it, you know, depending on what the energy behind that is, it can seduce you into a lot of things. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when we're talking about aliveness, and witnessing somebody who believes they are truly broken, they are wrong, they are bad, they are fucked up, they cannot do it right, everything sucks, but you are the space of non-judgment, that seductive invitation into non-judgment is inviting them into aliveness. Mm. Right. That's inviting them in. Yeah, because the the judgment is a lie. And and we've talked about this, that judgment is the quickest thing to kill your aliveness it's like it's like we we i would say my pro my process process or whatever of of feeding my aliveness was letting go stopping the judgment stopping buying into the lies because my my life was to some degree automatonic when i was constantly trying to create myself in the world relative to all the judgment. It was like judgment was real. Judgment was true. Judgment was the cornerstone and foundation of everything. Judgment was the scaffolding that created my whole reality. And and I constantly had to figure out how I was relative to it. Like, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I good? Am I bad? Constantly, all the time. Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right choice? How do I avoid, you know, upsetting this apple cart? Like constantly, I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of automatonic because you're, that, that involuntary is absent that we've been talking about. That involuntary is absent, and I'm not just in the flow of life with life as life. So as I let go, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's a lie. That's not true. I'm, you know, breaking the spells. That's what I call it, breaking the spells of right. all the lies and conclusions that I bought into, and then just and then just eventually just letting go of judgment altogether. I mean, like, oh my God, I don't need this. I've been I've been leaning on this as if this was some sort of source of power, some sort of sense of protection. I don't need this. I don't need mm-hmm. this anymore. I just let it go. I just stopped. And that's mm-hmm. when I mean, I the aliveness was like palpable. It was like, oh, this is what being alive is. And that's continuing on and on and on. It's not like just one moment. It's a continual choice that I make every day. Do I want to choose to function like an automaton where I have to constantly worry about how I am relative to judgment? Or Uh do I live liberated from that lie and live in the constant communion and dance with life that is more of that space of play and involuntary expression that we've been talking about? Right. Absolutely. You know, there's a question in the chat room I want to bring up that I think is really, it's a yeah, but that I hear so often. And it is what to do when I'm in vulnerable allowance and then someone starts firing rapid judgments at me. I have heard this so many times that I was in this place of surrender and allowance and my, you know, children or my parents or my partner or whatever was a jerk. Like they, this happened. And, and so this question, I love that this came up because I think this is a stopping point for a lot of people. It's a condition. And 
And so when you consider this camera, because I want to be practical here. I want, I mean, you and I can talk about this concept, but what I get is Mm, mm. people really don't know what the fuck to do here. (laughs) What do you, what's the awareness about when I am choosing vulnerability or when I believe I am and judgment starts derailing me, what can they be aware of? Well, uh, the, one of the first questions I might ask is, um, where have I allowed that person to define me? Yeah. Because yeah. anyone that you allow to define you, you will live at the effect of. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you if you accept what's the, per- the perception that you've made true through their eyes, right? I, I, I used to talk about this with... Um, uh, try, it's it's interesting. This this example sometimes works the way I think it would, and sometimes doesn't. But it's like okay. it's like find find something about yourself that you you don't judge. Like you you absolutely don't judge. It's one of those things that you're just like, yeah, I'm good with this. Like this this part of me, whatever. It could be something about your appearance. Could be something about who you are. You know, the way you love to laugh or whatever. But something about you that you just don't judge. You just don't, mm-hmm. and you know that you don't. And then if somebody comes mm-hmm. along and delivers, just starts hurling judgments about about that thing about you, does it impact you? Does it have any any impact at all? It's kind of like if somebody walked up to you and started telling you that they hated your purple hair, you'd be like, mm-hmm. what? Uh, purple hair? Like, what kind of drug are you on? My hair is brown or blonde or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I know nowadays people do have purple hair, but let's just, you know... <laughs> Um, and you just you just look at them and you'd be like, um, I think you're smoking something because I don't have purple hair. Like it wouldn't impact you. It yeah, wouldn't even phase you. It's like, it's like you're immune. You're literally immune when you when there's something about you that you do not judge. You are immune to somebody else's judgments because you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever, la la. Yeah. And so, but here's the thing: if you allow that person to define you in any way, then all of a sudden you're just like immediately at the effect of it, immediately at the effect of it. So yes. so when we find ourselves being impacted by another person's judgments, I will often say, well, you know, how are you allowing yourself to def- be defined by that person or by that group or by that point of view? How are you allowing yourself to be defined uh, by something outside of you? Like I said, mm-hmm. when I when there's something about me that I don't judge – I am not impacted by anything outside of me. People could say anything about me in that way, and I, it would just, I'm immune. I'm completely immune. Mm-hmm. But if I allow myself to yeah. be defined by a particular point of view, a group of people, um, somebody in particular, then I'm, boom, instantaneously, I'm at the effect of them. So Absolutely. start getting curious. This is what we talked about. When. This whole thing about intimacy is really about being curious about how you're functioning. How have you created yourself relative to other people? How have you, you know, are you seeing yourself through their eyes? Are you seeing yourself through a point of view you've made right? And then relative to that point of view, I'm wrong? I mean, here's an example of one that just just (laughs) recently showed up in my life that was quite surprising. Um, As we were leading up to the, the birth of this Seducing Aliveness show, I discovered a pocket of shame that had been hidden for my whole life that I was not aware of. Um, And what it related to was me as a woman, I'm not domestic. Like, I don't enjoy domestic, you know, cooking, cleaning, housekeeping, you know, having people over, hosting parties. Um, I don't, I have no interest in that. I I don't have children. I didn't want children. I'm not at all what a typical like a typical woman and and notice i'm using the word typical woman because who decides that who decides what a a typical woman is well we'll just say culture and society so right this illustrates exactly what i'm talking about if i define myself based on what culture and society says is a good woman you know this oh this is she's a great woman because you know look how she takes care of her family looks how she takes care of blah 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 looks you know she keeps her house spotless and she cooks and she hosts and she does all this stuff and she like if i define myself by that then if i'm not that i'm wrong 
and that's what right. I did. Yeah. I I I looked at myself through the through that lens of that point of view about a, what a good woman is, and I was like, oh, well, that's not me, so I'm wrong. Like I am wrong <laughs> as a woman, and I had no right. idea that all of that shame was hidden beneath the surface and and affecting how I was interacting with life. Until we started, uh, until I said yes to this show, and the the weeks leading up to the show, I didn't even know it was there. It surfaced, and I was like, what the fuck is this? So if somebody would have delivered a judgment at me about how wrong I was a, as a woman, that would have impacted me to the core because I bought that judgment as real and true. Mm-hmm. And I had so much shame about it. Now, I've I've since popped that, I've, I've broken that spell. I don't buy that anymore. Uh but that's an example of what I'm talking about. And I love that because, um, man, there's so much in this question, so much in this unraveling. And what I, as I sat with this question, listened to you, and I thought to myself, yeah, I can remember. If somebody had said to me, you know, an insult didn't apply to me, it wouldn't trigger me. And then if it did apply because I had bought it as real and true, it would. And I was relating to it, and then I wondered, wait a minute, hold on, what expectation is there attached to being in vulnerable allowance that means everybody's going to agree and be nice to you? Mm, yeah. <laughs> is, is there something else, is there a sticky bit that's like, you know, those little Klingons that stick to the bottom of the boat? Is there a sticky bit there hiding that it's really easy to overlook that says, by the way, if I am totally in my aliveness, nobody can fuck with me because I'm feeling so good, everybody's going to love me. Like, is there a sneaky little little bit of if I do it right, I'm going to be fine? Like, this is the antidote for people judging me so you don't have to look at what you judge in yourself and deal with it? <laughs> I love the answer in the chat room. Yes. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Yeah, so what I would ask is if you were doing anything, if you're doing anything that somewhere along the way you have attached the expectation of um, others, how they're going to behave, what you're going to be treated like, what's going to happen for you, because you are doing that thing, being a certain way, that right there will be the the hole in the bottom of the boat that will take on water. Yeah. You'll get derailed. That'll be it. Mhm. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's like it's like uh, you've decided uh, that's that's <laughs> like um, that's going to somehow protect you. Yeah. From judgment. Yeah. Um, now the comment people, in the chat room is, "It's like I'm not bothering you, so don't bother me." I'm like, "Nice protection plan. Look at your fortress. Like that's uh-huh. the protection plan for your fortress. You just painted your fortress a different color. You didn't actually leave it." Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> here's the thing. This is what I was talking about a little while ago with my fear of speaking and all of that stuff. Once upon a time, I, I, I can't control people judging me. People are gonna judge. It's what they do. Until they don't, people are gonna judge. And there's there's some you know quote out there, some meme somewhere that says, "Look, people are gonna judge you anyway. Might as well be you, because <laughs> you're not gonna stop right? people from judging." And and if you think that you know being that space of vulnerable allowance is somehow gonna stop them from judging, good luck with that. It's not. They're still gonna mm-hmm. judge. So you, then you might look at like, is if I'm truly honoring me, what I choose to hang out with people who are constantly judging me because mm-hmm. I don't judge me. And that doesn't mean I have to make them wrong yeah. because they're judging me. I just wouldn't choose that. You get yeah. to choose. Like you really get to choose. Like I get to choose where I live. I get to choose what I drive. I get to cho- like everything in your life is a choice. Everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. 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 Yeah. You know, last night I witnessed something when we were out to dinner, and 
I love when I'm doing a show, it keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. But I want to speak to this experience because it was so beautiful and it did seduce me in. Like we were sitting in a booth and there was a booth next to us and there was a couple there and the gentleman from the kitchen came out and was speaking to the people in the booth. And they talked about a number of things, and there was this very light conversation. And the people in the booth said to this young man who's in his 20s, pretty buff, obviously, like, you know, does some bodybuilding and all this stuff. They, and the guy said, dude, what's different with you? And he was, a little, he was a little flustered for a second. He tried to minimize it. And, and he looked at me and he said, really? You want to know the truth? And the guy goes, yeah, like, what's different about you? And this guy said, well, I went to a retreat. I went to this, I don't know what he called it. It was, I was trying to eavesdrop for heaven's sakes. I didn't get all the words. Um, <laughs> and he said, I went to this thing. And he goes, it, he, and he put his hands up like, now don't judge this. But he said, I went to this church thing. And it was a church thing. But, man, what I got was totally different than what anybody else around me was saying they were getting. He said there was music and there was worship and there was praise and he was so cool. And he, and he starts bouncing as he's talking. He's like, and it was so cool. It was a great space to be in for all these days. And I was there. And, and as I was watching, he started bouncing. And then this stillness came over him. And literally as it came over him, Everything else faded away, even Sherry, which was between myself and this guy. Everything just faded away because he leaned in, and I found myself leaning in. And what he said is, what I realized is, I know my mother's voice. I know my father's voice. I know my girlfriend's voice. But I did not know the voice of God. And I want to know that. So I'm spending more time listening. And it was so authentic. It was so true that none of me needed to believe his religious belief, but I was so drawn in and seduced by his aliveness in realizing that he wanted to know that Whatever it is, God is the word he used. He wanted to know that better. There was no pushback. It wasn't attached to anybody. He just said, so I'm just listening more. And I was so taken back. I just sat and, you know, I had tears in my eyes, and I'm just listening in awe. And I thought to myself, you know, since this, this show started every single day, I'm like, universe, God, Show me, show me aliveness. Show me aliveness when it is around me. And mm-hmm. that was so beautiful to witness somebody's vulnerable allowance of sharing his aliveness, his version of what was lighting him up and changed him to the point that somebody would say, what is different about you that I was drawn in? And I was filled up by it. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I consider what we were just talking about, of this thing of, well, when I'm in my vulnerable, you know, allowance and somebody judges me, what's my attachment to it? What am I making that about? I, I just see this space of what do you still have to let go of? You may you may be choosing that vulnerability, and you may be choosing some intimacy. And when you notice judgment pings you, there's more to let go of. There's more lives that are hiding. And it's yep. okay to keep choosing. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not choosing vulnerability. It just means that there's more, there is more allowance for you to experience. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. vulnerable allowance isn't about control. It's about surrender. And we're so mm. busy trying to control every aspect of our lives until we don't. <laughs> you know, like that's that's the thing. When he says, you know, I'm going to listen 
to me, yeah. that's that's a demonstration of I'm going to stop trying to control everything and receive. Yep. Vulnerable allowance opens up the space of receiving rather than I have to control everything from a place of uh, avoidance. Right. You know, that's that's a lot of where all it's it's like we show up on the planet and everything is new. Everything is new, it's exciting, it's wondrous, we're curious, we play, we be in that space of involuntary. And as certain experiences start occurring in our lives, we start going, well, I don't ever want that to happen again. And I don't ever want that to happen again. And I don't ever want that to happen again. And I don't ever want that to happen again. And pretty soon we go through this process of elimination where there's not much left. So rather than being in that space of joy, just for the sake of joy and play and aliveness and in that it's, it's now we're defending everything. We're protecting and we're defending right. and we're living avoidance. Everything is avoid, 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 avoid. And I would say there's not a lot, if any choice in avoidance. It's just a conclusion. I don't want that to happen again. So I'll do everything possible to make sure it doesn't happen again. So I control and I control and I control and I control and I control. What we're talking yeah. about, vulnerable allowance, is 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 not that. <laughs> it's letting go. It's letting go because judgment is a form of control. Many people use judgment as a form of power to have control mm-hmm. over others. Um, when you're in that space of uh, vulnerable allowance, you're uncontrollable. You can't be manipulated because I'm immune. Right. I'm immune to yep. the bullshit of this reality. I'm immune. So people can come up and deliver. Uh, That means they doesn't mean they stop judging me. They still judge. People still judge me all the time. I'm very aware of it, but I'm amused. Sure. Mm -hmm. I choose to live in a different way. I choose to live in a different way. I've given up any attachment or need or necessity for judgment, and I live in a space that's way more fun for me way more fun for me and i love it when you're in that vulnerable space and something zings you what are you still holding on to where do you still have a lie that you're gathering evidence for right oh wow there's so much such a yummy invitation here and so you know as we start to wrap up this show and just just feeling into that of what are you avoiding that is keeping everything away, everything of your aliveness, all of that, all of the intimacy away? What is that thing you're avoiding? And for many, for most, most people are using control because they want to have what they believe is safety, which is a complete illusion. They're trying to be safe in their vulnerability. They're trying to keep their aliveness safe trying to keep that intimacy safe. They're trying to, all of this is work and effort to keep, wow, things away and separate from that thing that they're holding sacred. But by keeping that separation there, it is keeping everything away. We don't keep one thing away. We keep everything away. Once Once those barriers are in place, we keep everything away. Yep. And so how much safety are you using to justify the the avoidance and the separation you are choosing? That's what I would say. How much are you using to justify all of the separation that you are choosing that is keeping you from the aliveness and intimacy with you? And I don't think it's any accident that, you know, I didn't know where this call was going to go, but, you know, Monday we start off with safety not required. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I love how we do that. (laughs) Most people make safety their, yeah, their top priority. It's the most important thing. If, like I said, when you start doing that, I never want that to happen again. I never want that to happen again. I never want that to happen again. And you start the process of elimination, elimination until there's not much left in your life that you can even, you know, receive. That's when you've made safety the, the top priority. I want to be and, – and safe. Let, let's look at that. W- what am I talking about? Safe from feeling the things I don't want to feel. 
when you say, oh, I don't want that to happen again, it's because, oh, I, that felt awful. I don't want to feel like that ever again, whatever that is, whatever awful is. You've yeah. decided that something occurred and you felt a certain way that you're like, nope, going to avoid that again at all costs, even if it costs me my aliveness. Uh-huh. So, yeah. so safety for most people means safe from the feelings I don't want to feel, safe from the things I don't want to feel. They make safety their top priority and they will control everything to avoid ever having to feel that again how much of aliveness are you separate from by refusing a a large portion of what life is Mm. if you didn't if we didn't you know (laughs) safety not required i love it if we didn't if we didn't uh it's like it's like you've got this uh, imagine you're a little kid and you've got a bunch of blocks in front of you and they're all different colors, right? There's blue ones and yellow ones and orange ones and pink ones and purple ones and green ones and blue ones. And and you're like, and someone comes along and says, okay, now all those blue ones and those purple ones and the orange ones and the red ones, those are all bad. And all the other ones are good. <laughs> and so you're like, you're like, okay, so let's, we're going to separate them out. And I want you to put all the bad ones over here. And I want to put you all the, all the good ones over here. Now we're going to put all the, say, okay, good job. Good job. Little, you know, you, you separated all the bad ones out, and now you're going to put all these bad ones, we're going to put them in this box, and we're going to lock them up, and we're going to take the key, and we're going to hide the key from ourselves, because those are all the bad ones we don't ever want to play with again. This is what we do with life. Life, life is inclusive of all of it, but we forget, because we've, we've gone through this process of separating them all out. We're like, no, 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 that's a bad one. We're going to put that in the box, throw away the key. Uh, is that really... Is that life? 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 I have come to learn myself that aliveness includes everything, all of it, all of it, the whole spectrum. I am only fully alive when I include and allow and receive the entire spectrum. And the thing that I noticed is all those those purple ones and the green ones and the red ones and the blue ones that I put in the box and said, no, 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 those are bad, they're actually not as scary as I thought they were. <laughs> right. And now feeling those is not greater than me. I don't live at the effect of those feelings. I don't allow them to hold them hold me hostage. If I put them in a box and lock them up and throw away the key, every single one of those is holding me hostage because if it if even starts to creep its way in my world, I'm like, no, must stop it, must avoid, must make it go away, must do anything in order to avoid. Hmm. That's a taste yeah. of next week. That's a taste of next week. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. It's so true. It's so true. And, you know, aliveness is drawn to. It cannot resist vulnerable allowance. It, it, mm. it cannot keep itself away. It must show up and feed more. More of that. And, and if we are thinking we're going to put up the walls to judgment, we are also putting up the walls to aliveness. And, and so as we move forward and wrap this week up, you know, I just really ask, are you willing to get into that involuntary surrender of what would it be like to experience a weekend right now if you are listening live and if you're listening to an archive, give yourself a couple days <laughs> to be in allowance of everything. And when you notice there's a judgment, just notice it, but don't put any significance on it. Just simply notice it, move on and stay in that allowance, that childlike place. Practice your gibberish. It's so fun. <laughs> I bet you it'll get you laughing pretty quick. <laughs> right? Yeah, what would it be like for you to tell a story or express something with, without using words? And so that's what we have to wrap up on because we're out of time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. thank you for being here at Seducing Aliveness. And we're Tamara and Jen, and we'll be back next week. Yep, we will. Come mm-hmm. play. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.